0: Hey, welcome to this week's episode of the Raised to Empower podcast. My guest today is Michelle Risser. She is a licensed therapist, consultant, speaker, and writer. Her clinical focus areas are maternal mental health and trauma, and she is passionate about supporting other therapists and helping professionals to minimize burnout and embrace their multi-passionate selves. Michelle has a lot of hobbies, including playing guitar, painting, singing in a choir, volunteering with the Red Cross and she recently joined a rowing team Michelle is the proud mom of a 14 year old daughter and in the summer she can often be found cheering for her kid on a softball field Michelle I'm so excited to get to have you as a guest on the show and and to just get to chat with you today thank you Ashley I'm so excited to be here So I've wanted to have you on the show, I think, since I told you I was going to be doing this podcast and I'm really glad we get to chat today. Michelle and I met not necessarily like in the therapy world, but therapy adjacent world of additional income streams and entrepreneurship. And we've just created this connection of encouragement and support for one another as we've Just been adjusting and adapting in our own individual lives. So I'm excited for us to have this conversation today and share a little bit about what's been going on with both of us with everyone. Absolutely. Sounds great to me. So, Michelle, I always ask guests to start back at the beginning and share a little bit about. How did you get into the world of therapy? I know you're a social worker like me. What led to you saying, hey, I think I want to go into this field. And then not only in this field, but into private practice.
1: Absolutely. My undergrad was in anthropology and I'm located in the state of Ohio. And my focus area was on Ohio archaeology. So I studied the Hopewell culture and I did an archaeology internship And I had every intention of being an archaeologist. Yeah. And then I graduated and I was looking at possibly going into grad school. And I found that the jobs that are available for archaeologists many times, unless you get your PhD and go into academia, they're not Indiana Jones. They are standing (laughs) on the side of the highway, um, putting dirt into buckets (laughs) and then taking said dirt back to the lab and sifting it, you know, for $9 an hour,
0: (laughs) not glamorous. (laughs) It's
1: it's, it's, no, it's important, but it is not glamorous. And through that process, I started thinking about, well, I'm interested. I'm very interested in people. I'm interested in human behavior. And, you know, I wonder if I could be a counselor. I Hmm. I started out thinking about therapy or being a counselor. And that way I can help people now, as opposed to studying people from the past sure. that can help people navigate their behavior in the present moment. Yeah. And it led me to social work just because um, it's somewhere, you know, in this, I think this is true. And this message is out there that there are a lot of different things you can do with social work. But you may not be able to do with like a counseling degree, you know, you can be a hospital social worker, or, um, you know, you can get into more grant writing or administration or things like that. So I went the social work route. And my first job was in agency work, like so many of our first job, I worked in HIV and AIDS, and I actually loved that job. But this is where all of this kind of ties together. I did that job for four years. And it was a quote unquote, nine to five, but it was a salary position where we, we worked far more than that. And my daughter was born and I went back to that job part time. And that's when I started doing therapy before that I had been a case manager. So I was more of a traditional social worker. Yeah. And, um, I had also been a counselor for the drug and alcohol program. And when my daughter was born, I went back part time and that's when I started thinking about private practice. And I thought, why not? And I don't know that anybody would recommend starting their practice the way I did it, but it worked for me. The first thing I did was make business cards and start handing them out and start just telling people, Hey, I'm going into private practice. I didn't even have a space yet. Mm -hmm. I didn't have any clients yet. I made business cards and and I pounded the pavement, the old fashioned way, knocking on doors. I did find an office that I could sublet by the hour from a friend. And, you know, I'd walk into nail salons or grocery sure. stores and just say, hey, if you know anybody looking for therapy, I have a private practice. And that got me started. And I see a lot of people now, you know, suggesting that those things are a waste of time. For me, good old fashioned networking and marketing is never a waste of time. Yeah, And I just built slowly and I did take some insurances starting out. And then eventually when I was full enough to justify
0: my own office, I got my own
1: office. And that was 13 years ago.
0: Wow. Well, and also networking today, I think because of technology, there are not that like pounding the pavement can't be fruitful, but it does take time. And so, yeah, Mm -hmm. like if you don't have time to do that, there's other ways to quote unquote pound the pavement, but it be more time efficient for you if you don't have the time to do that. But yes, networking is always a people. If you've listened to this podcast, you know, I talk about the need to connect with other people, let them know what you're doing with your work.
1: Absolutely. And you know, I I feel like even more so in today's world, because everything is so digital and we are so connected to actually, if you can, if you can take the time and actually stop by someone's office, That's going to stand out. And one of the things that I did was um, I, since my experience was in substance abuse, I would go to treatment centers Mm. and I would take donuts. I would take boxes of donuts for the staff. You're not walking in there asking to speak to the doctor. You are making friends with the front desk because they are the ones who are the gatekeepers. They're the gatekeepers. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And you are going in and you are taking them treats and donuts and you're telling them just a little bit about what you do. You're handing them a stack of business cards and you're saying, please don't hesitate to reach out. If there's anything I can do for you. Yeah. It has to be about what you can do for them. And I hear so many people saying, I'm calling doctor's offices and asking for referrals. And I don't know Why it's not working. Well, they don't have time to help you build your practice. Sure, sure. You need to help them. So that has worked for me and I still do that kind of marketing even now.
0: It's all about connection. All it is 100%. It's about that connection. It's about that relationship. That's how they get to know you. You're not just a business card. You're a business card that represents the work that you as Michelle Risser do as a licensed clinical social worker, because they know Mm -hmm. who you are. They trust you. They have built that relationship with you for sure. That's right. And what do you specialize now currently in your private practice?
1: I specialize in maternal mental health. I'm certified in EMDR um and i love doing emdr intensives which are longer sessions more intensive sessions so my kind of ideal sweet spot would be someone who has been through birth trauma and is looking for intensive emdr
0: so one of the things you and i have connected on a lot the last few months and i think it's really interesting because if you look at us on paper there's a lot of similarities, but there's also a lot of differences in where your family is currently versus where my family is. Yet there's a lot of similarities and overlap Mm -hmm. of needs that we have. And I think that's one of the things I think you and I are hoping to look at today is that the impact of motherhood, regardless of what stage of motherhood you're in, And Mm -hmm. the impact that that has on your needs in your practice and in your personal life and your family life. So if you're comfortable sharing, like, what is kind of your family dynamic currently? And what are you finding challenging about that as it relates to having a private practice?
1: You know, that's how this conversation was born, because I was looking at having a teenager versus what, what it's like to have an infant or a small child. And so my daughter, I have just one child, I am married. So there are three of us in our family. And my daughter is 14. She's getting ready to start high school. And right now, her needs, even though she's mostly self sufficient, a teenager before they're driving, they need a lot of time. I am Mm. always driving her somewhere. And she has a lot of activity. So a lot more of my life is spent, you know, making sure that she can live her life, driving her somewhere almost every evening or going to her games or, um, you know, just being there for her, taking her places. Yeah. So she doesn't need me to wipe her nose, but, you know, she needs a ride. And what I have found in a way, so when they're little, especially if you have a child who's in daycare, and I know that's its whole own can of yeah. worms I'm not saying that's easy <laughs> trust me but if they're in daycare they may be in daycare from eight to five or maybe they can stay a little bit later they don't close yeah. till six and you have a little more leeway when they're in middle and high school they're done with school at three or four o'clock and one of the other things that changed recently was my daughter no longer had a bus that brought her to the house they did more of a communal bus stop that I had to drive her to okay okay and so I had to end my workday by three thirty at the latest. Yeah, and then I started realizing that that was not even cutting it. If let's say, for example, like tonight, I'm doing this call with you, and right after this, I will need to get home, throw some kind of food at my family, and you know, she has a softball game that she has to be at at five o'clock. So yeah. I'm finding that I need to be available for my family earlier and earlier as my daughter yeah. gets older, which might be counterintuitive, you know? Like you wouldn't you might think, think that. Yeah. Right. So I'm slowly working my way back till now I'm done with therapy clients by two o'clock.
0: How has that been for you recognizing one? Okay. This is a need that I have mm-hmm. and that this is a need that's going to then impact my business. And mm-hmm. how do I reconcile that?
1: So there was one turning point. I'll tell you a story. My husband was, I think, out of town for work and, and he and I tag team. He and he helps coach her teams and he does a lot of the driving too, but it's just, it's a lot. It takes really for a teenager, you need a two to one. I don't know how um, single parents do it. Hats off. So anyway, what had happened was husband was out of town. I had clients until three and then I had a 30 minute break and I had a 3.30 to 4.30 because that's what my schedule used to be. You know, I'd go till three, I'd take a half hour break and then I'd see one more client and I'd be done at 4.30. And what happened was I left at three. I picked my daughter up from school. I brought her back to my office. She changed into her softball uniform in my office bathroom. And then she sat out in the waiting room. I saw my clients from 3.30 to 4.30. And then my daughter and I got fast food and shoved it in our faces as we were speeding across town to try to get to her game in time. And I thought, this is not healthy for anyone. It's not good for my client. It's not good for my kid. It's not good for me to be this stressed and this rushed. Um, This is not working yeah, and I was really nervous about telling those three thirty clients because I would do two, three thirty appointments every week. So I had a good maybe four clients, four sure. to six that would be affected by this. And I was really nervous, even thirteen years of experience. I was sure. so nervous about sure. telling them I'm dropping your time slot, yeah. How did that you know? go? It went a lot better than I expected. Um, you know, basically, I gave them, Three choices. So I can refer you out to someone who has more availability. And I was just transparent about my family's needs have changed. Yeah. And from this point on, my um, my latest regular appointment is going to be one o'clock. My latest that I can ever possibly do is two o'clock. Yeah. I have yeah. to be out of my office by three. And um, I said I can refer you out um, if your job has any flexibility and you can see me earlier in the day. That's an option as well. If you feel like you're up to a point where you're ready to be finished with therapy, we can have that conversation. And I had a couple people who were ready to be finished. Okay. I had a couple people whose situation had also changed, believe okay. it or not. They were going to part-time at their job and they were able to adapt. And then I had a couple who are able to come during their workday. One needs a note from me, almost like a doctor's excuse, sure. you know, and I'm happy to provide that. Just all it all it says is confirming that she had an appointment and it's actually worked out. It's worked out just fine.
0: Well, and I think what's interesting about that, I know I have felt this internal struggle and in talking with a lot of other therapists, I think they have too, where something does change for our needs, right? Something changes for our schedule. And we're afraid of having that conversation with the client, because we have this belief that that's, The only time that works for them, but in listening to you, I don't hear you saying the majority of them were like, either I'm ready to discharge or refer me out, but that they are able, if they want to continue to work with you as their therapist, Mm -hmm. they're able to find a way to adjust their schedule and adapt to fit themselves into the slots that we have available that we don't need to expand into this other time because we think it's what they need. Yeah. Absolutely. And it helps if we
1: are flexible too, with our schedules, you know, if you are a person who's like, I require standing appointments and they have to see me weekly and this may not work as well. Yeah. I have to be flexible. Some people drop down to maybe once a month, even if they're in a really good spot and they want to go into maintenance for a little while.
0: Sure. Um,
1: also something that is interesting is that I have found when I really sat down and looked at, okay, what schedule honors my needs and my family's needs at this point in my life. And what I have found is that's about 12 to 13 clients a week, which is Mm -hmm. not what I need to make to reach my financial goals. So it has made it imperative that I have other income streams. I'm just, I'm not available at this point in my life to have enough appointments to make what I need to make. and I and there's a lot of different ways people address that. That's where some people might raise their rates or you know, for me, I've handled it by doing other things as well that I don't have to be scheduled and sitting in my chair to do,
0: yeah, well, and that's one of the things you and I've had a lot of conversations about obviously, our situations are a bit differently. Just I have very young children. I have mm-hmm. five and a half year old, a two and a half year old, and another one on the way. and the irony is where there's a big age gap between our kids. There's a lot of similar needs. And, you know, one of the things that we've talked extensively about is just the struggle that it, it is when you are in session. We are in a profession that we cannot be multitasking. You have to be present with your client. And there are times when I've told a client, Hey, my child is sick at school. I may be getting a phone call and that's, that's different. Right. But when I have the insurance company calling me to try to talk about a claim, I can't put my client on hold to go deal with that about something that's going on with my, my family life. Right. Like I have to put that on the back burner." to deal with when I have time and that the challenge in having really just a life whether it's children and we can get into some of this for you too, whether it's children or parents or adulthood, that when we're in our therapy seat, we are literally just in our therapy seat and we can't be doing more than one thing at a time. And similar to you where you're talking about like, okay, the time changed for you where now your daughter has to be picked up at this time because now the bus isn't going to bring her to here. You know, we're going to be going into kindergarten this coming year for our Mm -hmm. son. And I don't know why, but school here ends at 1255 on Mondays and 155 the rest of the week. And so we're going to have Mm -hmm. to do some after school childcare, but the needs of my family are shifting and changing. My oldest has some special needs. And so he has a lot of extra appointments. There are weeks where we will have five appointments just for him for a variety of different things. And my husband does the best he can to try to accommodate with his schedule. It's interesting because I have a lot more flexibility with my schedule technically because I work for myself, but at the same time, I don't in my day. Like if I get that phone call or if I need to do this at a certain time and I have a client, I don't have that flexibility. So similar to you, as I'm approaching maternity leave and looking to what's going to come when I do return to working with clients, there's going to definitely have to be an adjustment because the way it's currently structured is not going to work for our family's needs.
1: Absolutely. And one of the, the first things that had to happen for me was seeing fewer clients in a day. Yeah. So there was a time and I was younger and more fresh in my career at the time too. But when my daughter was in the daycare, you know, and it's interesting, just a little side note, I work with a lot of moms and a lot of them say, oh, I feel so guilty about putting them in daycare and they're, they're an infant. And I, I usually say, in my experience, even though they, they need you for their basic needs that's the time where you have the most child care available. Yeah. They need you more when they start kindergarten and you'll see yeah. Ashley, every other day, there's a party, even though they end at 1230, there's parties, there's plays, yeah. there's school, you know, uh, just there's always something that they need sure. you to be at school. I feel like they need you more in the school years.
0: Yeah. At least as far as your
1: time. Yeah. So that was one thing that had to go as I used to see, you know, eight, occasionally even nine clients in a day and there is yeah it's no way mentally or emotionally I could do that anymore but also what you were speaking to nine hours a day where you can't answer a phone call can't respond to an email and during the pandemic the door and there was a time where everybody was just messy and it was like yeah someone's at my door (laughs) I'm sorry (laughs) my kid's teacher is calling me you know that was just yeah we were all
0: a mess (laughs) yeah
1: But now we're, now we're back to being expected to be somewhat professional.
0: (laughs) Sure. No, but it's true that, you know, that's one of the things I, I was thinking about this the other day, when I go to a doctor's appointment, there's times the doctor has to take a phone call or they're charting when they're talking to me or they step out and there's certain doctors I've not gone back to because I'm like, I don't feel like you're paying attention and listening to me. But even in that, in that profession, they're able to multitask, right? If they need to step out to look at a lab report for somebody else, they can do that. And it's kind of acceptable. Not only
1: that, they're with you for 10 minutes.
0: Yes. We yeah. are with people for 55 minutes to
1: an hour, back yeah. to back to back. And I've just found as I get older and my family's needs change, I don't have that attention span. Yeah. Any, yeah. Anymore.
0: yeah. Well, especially when things are really crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Like I find when I'm mentally trying to do the gymnastics of like how is this person going to get here and I have to be done by this point because my husband's just told me he can't pick up the kids so now I have to be done to get over there and this the dinner still isn't done right like all the things that, yeah like it's harder when we are split in so many different directions to be in that completely focused space and i think that that then becomes telling of okay we've got too much on our plate i know you do a lot of work with burnout Mm-hmm. therapist moms. And I think that's probably one of the signs I, you know, I would guess, and maybe you can speak to that of like, yeah, there's some burnout going on here if you're not able to focus.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and that's a fine line too, between is there burnout and you're not able to focus or is it because this is just beyond your capacity? Yeah. Yeah. Are, are you pushing yourself beyond your capacity to do your best work? And I figured out I'd do my best therapy with. 12, 13 clients a week max. And that number is going down. And we compare ourselves to others who are like, I see 30 people a week and I do better therapy with fewer clients.
0: Yeah. Well, and I'm a better person and a better mom I'm a better wife Mm -hmm. when I'm not seeing 30 clients a week, because Mm -hmm. it's not like I come out of the therapy room and there's no other needs that exist in life. Like usually there's some child screaming i need this or i want this or can you do this with me and i have to be able to attend to that in some capacity or like for you there's probably somebody being like i need another ride right like mm-hmm. i need this thing there's now this on the calendar and if we don't have the mental or emotional space for that yeah how do we how do we pivot i know one of the things that we have in common is in addition to our therapy practice, we do have other entrepreneurial endeavors that we have ventured into as a way to help supplement income, knowing that, okay, maybe we are having to cut back on the number of therapy clients we're seeing. Was there a turning point for you? And if, you, if there was, what was it to say, I need to move into adding an additional income stream besides just my therapy?
1: Yeah, actually the turning point was right before the pandemic, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and I had to start chemo in February of 2020, right when the world was getting ready to shut down and everything was on fire. And one of the hardest parts of that for me, believe it or not, was being in private practice and having to tell my clients. And I decided the best way to handle that was to be transparent. I thought I can't be coming in here, you know, bald or on chemo and I have to cancel or my clients don't know what's going on. That just felt not authentic. So I decided to be transparent and just tell them, here's what's going on. I'd love to continue to work, but I do know I'm going to have to cut back on my schedule. So I referred out any high needs clients who I felt like I could not meet their needs. Mm -hmm. I referred out any brand new people. I pretty much only have maintenance people. And that's where, that was where I first started to realize, like, I'm available at that time. It was more like for eight clients a week. And that's, you know, not going to get me to my financial needs. But at the time for business owners, there was a little bit of help. You know, they had those small business loans to get us through COVID. And somehow I got through that. Okay. You know, somehow that worked out. Another thing too, for those of you who out there who take insurance, Insurance was very easy during COVID. They pretty much yep. decided we are not going to fight you. Right, Some of them eliminated right. deductibles and co-pays and you were able to bill your teletherapy and you actually got paid for it. Without right. Fight. So that, that helped. And now they're back to fighting us. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> now they're back to clawing back money. But anyway, um, and then as, once I got through chemo and we were coming to the end of 2020, that's when I realized like, I want to look at other things I can do besides just therapy. I had been teaching CEUs for years. Mm. That was something that I even did in my agency jobs and I've taught at conferences and I decided I want to become my own CEU provider and start doing that. And, you know, I did a program to teach you how to ethically separate out a second business. And I just started building up on my online income streams. And also during that process, because I had a little more time during the pandemic, I got my EMDR certification, which opened the door for me to be able to start providing consultation as a consultant in training, So that opened up another income stream. Something I've realized with that though, is that does involve, especially the individual consultation is that involves one-on-one and it's really no different than seeing clients as far as my energy output. There's a difference in what we're talking about and and how that goes, but it's still my hour, my focus hour. So I've pulled back on that a little bit, focusing more on groups.
0: We've all been told we need to network in our private practice, but no one actually tells us how to do it or what to say. Enter comprehensive connecting, effective scripts that expand your networking community and actually fill your online practice. This free guide will give you effective scripts to connect with fellow clinicians, medical professionals, and community stakeholders to build strong networking relationships that will help fill your practice. In this guide, you will get tips and tricks for building relationships that will lead to referrals in your practice, real-life examples of messages used to connect with referral sources, and customizable plug-and-send scripts for your specific practice needs. So, download your free scripts guide today by going to bit.ly forward slash comp connecting. Hey, 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 hey. Is there an area that you have found more passion in, or this is what I want to be focusing more on when it comes to additional income streams?
1: Yeah. So CEUs has been one that's naturally kind of taken off because of the interest. So many people are interested in yeah. teaching CEUs and sharing what they know and what they're passionate about. And there is this perception and it's not entirely untrue that, that it's a difficult process. And I would say it's not a difficult process, but it is a tedious process. Yeah. It's tedious. It's dot your eyes, cross your keys. Um, and a lot of people feel really overwhelmed with that. So I love sure. helping people with that just to navigate that. I'm, as you said, I'm always passionate about burnout prevention, which is kind of how we met was yeah. we participated in the collaboration and realized we had this so many areas of overlap. And um, what's, what's interesting. I also provide coaching. I do a lot of different things. I like doing a lot of different yeah. things that keeps it fresh for me, but just On this topic of what we're talking about with my, my daughter's changing needs and pulling back, I, I do some writing. I write for a website Hmm. and I've actually increased the number of articles I'm writing and pulling back on the number of therapy clients has allowed me to take on a couple more articles each month. And that helps offset the income. So even though I'm doing a lot more writing, I can do writing in my pajamas at the kitchen table. Yeah. I can do it yeah. all on my on my patio. I can take a break and get the door or yeah. go pick up my kid. You know, that's where that is really, I feel like there for me right now, the writing piece. And also creating courses. Things that don't what they call asynchronous work, things that don't yeah. require me to be on an appointment. Sure. It's what I'm really leaning into right now.
0: Well, and the types of things that you're talking about allow you. Like hypothetically, if you needed to be sitting at the softball field, putting together mm-hmm. a presentation on your computer or even your phone, you could do that, right? You can't really yeah. be holding a therapy session when they're having batting practice in the background, That's right? Exactly like, right? That you can That's be exactly doing right. this other work if you need I to. I wrote many an
1: article from a softball field. Yeah. And um, as far as this asynchronous work lately, something new that I've been doing with continuing education is I'm offering week of boxer. And if anybody doesn't know what boxer is it's a walkie talkie app and people will send me their materials and I'll review them and I will yeah. communicate with them back and forth over boxer. And I can do that from the softball field, from the car, yeah. you know, from the front porch on a walk, even I can just talk on boxer and share some thoughts. So I'm not right. tied to my desk, right? which is wonderful. And I feel like right. I'm still helping people reach their yeah. goals.
0: For me, I started venturing into additional income streams. It was very similar time as you. It was right mm-hmm. at the start, right before the pandemic hit, like fall of 2019. I was starting to look at it and then started in January of, of 2020. And it was for a similar need. It wasn't because necessarily of my family's schedule at that time, but because we're a military family, there are periods of time where we have to move and Theoretically, I could hold a therapy session in a hotel room, <laughs> but I may not have childcare or I may not have full internet access or something like that. And so it was this idea that, okay, if this is another way to supplement income for those periods of time when it's not as feasible for me to be seeing clients during moves and that kind of thing, or if yeah. my husband's away, that that was a way to help supplement some of that. And I think it's interesting. Where I am now, like that need has is still exists. as far as we will still move. My husband will still be away for trainings and that kind of thing. But right now the additional income streams for me is similar to you. It's just my family needs are changing and the family dynamics are changing. And so it's going to have to be a matter of pulling back on some therapy clients Leading up to maternity mm-hmm. leave, but also afterwards too. And so yeah, having this additional income stream that I've already started the ball rolling or is already built, it's interesting because I built it for one reason and now it's gonna help serve this other purpose for me and my family. And I think your story of cancer, you don't know when something's gonna happen that's gonna have to require mm-hmm. you to pull back, right? You weren't Boy, expecting I should,
1: that. Yeah. No, I went for my screening mammogram and got a call back. You know, almost right away. We need more pictures, yeah. and then I felt like my life had been thrown into a blender. You know, I'm sure. Or, and it happened so fast, and it's like, oh my gosh, how do you deal with something like that and have a full therapy schedule? And right. and I I feel bad for my clients during that that time because. I am sure I was not present, but I didn't How know what to do. Be? I was just, yeah. oh my gosh. I was just trying to push through.
0: Yeah. Regardless of where you are, whether you have children or not, whether you are in a place where you want to see 30 clients or you want to see five a week, knowing that there are other options to help mm-hmm. either supplement or replace your income, I think is just, it. it's smart <laughs> in a way to just help. It's like extra protection, I know you actually have a workshop that's going to be coming up to explore some of that for people. Can you share a little bit about that?
1: Absolutely. So I am creating a workshop series with our dear mutual friend, Jenny Hughes, who yes. if anybody out there does not Shout know out to Jenny, you should. <laughs> yes, hi Jenny. Because of conversations like this, we decided that we wanted to make diversifying your income streams accessible. And you know, a lot of the income streams... Are, are not that accessible because they do require a separate business and they require a large investment upfront. So we wanted to just kind of bring diversified income streams to people who maybe don't have a ton of time, but people like us who need other ways to make income yeah. and to have impact too, you know, to yeah. have more impact. So our workshop series is going to teach people over four workshops. It's going to take you from the process of figuring out what you want to do. And these are all income streams. So we're not going to do coaching because ethically coaching really requires a separate business. Sure. Um, But we'll do things that you can add to your existing therapy practice and you'll everything from figuring out which one you're going to do to having it actually implemented, created, And I'll be teaching the workshops about how to actually do these things. And Jenny is going to be hosting implementation sessions in between, co-working sessions where she actually takes you through the process,
0: helps you overcome
1: any barriers. There's also going to be a bonus about how to use AI to skyrocket your productivity, to use it ethically and safely And, you know, to really get things done quick. In fact, I used AI just last night to help me write an email. It's still me. It's still me writing it, but it just helps helps give you some ideas. And and Jenny and I are offering this entire workshop series. So four one-hour workshops, four implementation sessions for $97. That's
0: a great deal. Which is,
1: (laughs) yeah, it is a fantastic deal. If you've been in the online business world at all you yeah. know that programs like that go for at least a grand so right. and I'm not just saying right. that we we really consciously wanted this to be accessible yeah. to people yeah. so the waitlist is open for that we'll be launching it at the end of June which by the time this podcast comes out quite possibly the cart will be open but for now we have a waitlist link and yeah. uh, join us
0: yeah We'd and love we'll to have have- you come join us yeah, we'll have a link in the show notes for the waitlist, and I know you also have some free checklists for if you are mm-hmm. interested in teaching CEUs. I've taken um, Michelle's CEU course, and it's definitely very, very helpful. You know, especially if you're looking to do it on your own and not necessarily going through, you know, a larger agency. I'm all about having autonomy and having independence over your businesses, and I think your program really does help set a lot of that up. So definitely recommend oh, that. Thank you. And Ashley did an awesome bonus
1: and my course that she's talking about that actually teaches you how to use zoom to teach your live I online that training. I that. <laughs> yes. And even it's, it's really good. It's really informative. She shows you how to, you know, the nuts and bolts of here's how you share your screen. Here's how you work the chat. Here's how you go into breakout rooms. So that's my Diversify Your Income with CEUs course, which like Ashley said, it's very do-it-yourself, step-by-step for somebody. But I do have a free checklist um, that'll just give you an idea of what's involved with getting started with CEUs. And um, um, Some people say CEs, some say CEUs. I usually say CEU because that's kind of the lay term that most people yeah. think of it as, but they're interchangeable. And, yeah. um, And then the other thing I have is I have my free Facebook group, the Burnout Proof Therapist Moms group, which is just a wonderful, supportive community for anybody who identifies as a mom and works as a therapist in any of the helping professions. It's just a a great place for us to support each other. I think it's the best place on Facebook myself.
0: (laughs) And all of those links will be in the show notes for listeners to check out. Michelle, it always warms my soul when we get to chat, whether it's here or over Voxer or just, you know, venting and needing to decompress and support one another. I really appreciate you taking the time to share about where you are with your journey and let listeners in a little bit on that.
1: Absolutely. I'm so glad to be here. And Ashley and I have a project coming up soon. Well, a a workshop coming up soon and her membership. And um, if you're in Ashley's world, you'll be seeing me
0: around. Michelle is going to be presenting in our village community and it's going to be going through the CEU checklist and looking at how do we set ourselves up for the beginning stages of getting all the stuff together so that you can present your CEU and get it approved. So yes, check that out in the village community if you're already there or you can join us to watch the replay.
1: Thanks is. again
0: so much, Michelle. And I know again, this won't be the last that we hear of you on the show.
1: Thank you, Ashley. Thanks so much for having me on.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Raise to Empower podcast. Check the show notes for all links and resources mentioned in the show. If you found today's episode helpful or inspiring, be sure to share it with your therapist friends. And don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave your five-star rating and review. It truly means so much to me and will help us get our message of empowerment out to other women and mom clinicians. And I'd love to connect with you in our Facebook community. So check out the show notes for the link or head to bit.ly forward slash raise to empower to join us. I'll see you back here next week.